0: As you, as you find your seats, please turn with me and your Bibles. If you didn't bring them, bring them next week, but we have it for you up on the screen. Uh, we 're going to be looking last week we looked into paul 's letter in just one verse we 're in chapter five we 're talking about family matters, uh, things that pertain to the family of god we 're going to get to an incredible section uh, in some ways a difficult section, but really, if we understand it it 's an incredibly beautiful section last week we had one verse this week we're going to read that one verse again in verse 21 and then we're going to read the main text verses 22 through 33 but let us be mindful whether we read a verse or we read a whole chapter uh, or we quote it from up front this is god's word god loves us enough to give it to us and it's holy it's it's without error it's never going to lead us astray and this is really what we need to illumine our path. And so let us read God's word together. I'll read it aloud. You read along with me silently. Paul says again, "...submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ." Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. "...for the husband is ahead of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, his body, and his, himself its Savior." Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And remember, in that everything last week we talked about, because it's out of reverence for Christ, that everything does not include that which is sinful or harmful, but that which is bringing honor and reverence to Christ. Husbands, I believe even a harder call, exhortation, He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Just as he nourishes us and cherishes us. Because we are members of his body. Verse 31, therefore, quoting Genesis chapter 2, and what Jesus also quotes, therefore, A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying it that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Let us pray. Father God, we get to this point. And my knees are knocking. And we just read an incredible text of your truth that we need to understand. And I confess that I don't have the wisdom or the words to make this text make sense. But your spirit does. So I ask that your spirit would come and speak through a broken vessel like me. And that, Father, that we could hear Jesus' voice, our shepherd... Our husband. And that, Father, that the Spirit would come and, and, and fill our minds with such understanding and open our ears and soften our hearts and empower our feet so that we get it. And we can understand and say, This is beautiful. Because this reflects Jesus's beauty and, oh, He is so beautiful. Father, the things that I say that are merely my opinion or that are wrong, especially on a week like the, today, may they fall away and be forgotten. But the things that are true, that contain the good news of Jesus, may you use those things to shape us to become more like Jesus. I pray all this in Christ's powerful name. Amen. We are having tonight a baseball and movie night. And it is such good timing because this was the week that one of the most historic records fell in baseball. Barry Bonds became the most prolific home run hitter with hitting his 700, I guess left-handed, 756th home run, surpassing the great Henry Aaron. Rumor has it on ESPN that this was the greatest record that was broken since 1983, and I broke Andy Van Slyke's home run record in a night of County, New York. Okay. For the 60 that laugh, thank you. But really it's a, for baseball fans this is an incredible record and yet there's a cloud there's been a cloud there will be a cloud there's a cloud surrounding Barry Bonds how can a rookie a skinny slight rookie become this massive home run hitting man how can he be hitting so many home runs at the end of his career his trainer's in jail and won't speak about some of the substances that he has put into his body. We haven't been able to have a test that says, yes, he has done it. He says, if I've done it, I didn't mean to do it. I didn't know know what I was doing. And yet, Godzilla of Barry Bonds is now the most prolific home run hitter in Major League history. And he was asked afterwards, is it a tainted record? And he quickly says, no, this is not a tainted record. But really, the question I have is, will there be an asterisk? The question that most people ask are, will there be asterisks in Barry Bonds? Is that picture up there of Barry Bonds with the asterisk, home run king? Well, this sermon needs some asterisks too. And so before we begin, I have four asterisks that sometimes get tagged on at the end that I'd like to push up in the beginning. And the first one is this, and this is really important, so open up the ears and let's talk, okay? The first one is this, we're going to talk about marriage. And we're going to talk about God's design for marriage. And I want you to know that I am a fellow journeyer with you. I'm trying to figure this out. I'm wrestling with this as well. What God has shown me in these last few weeks are unbelievable. And so know that I'm not sitting up here as the expert of love, much to my chagrin, but one who has spent a lot of time with God, and God's done an amazing work. Second asterisk is this I cannot say, and it cannot be said, all that needs to be said this morning about the riches of this text. There is so much here. Some of you are going to go away from here and say, Man, I really wish Jeff dealt with this. And I'm sorry. I'm going to deal with what God has dealt with me on this text, and it's important. We'll come back. I want to be here as long as I can. I want to retire here. We will talk about this again, but we can't say it all today, okay? Thirdly, this is for everyone. I've already heard of two people that says, I can't come. I can't come because I'm single. I can't come because I'm getting divorced. I can't come because I'm a widow. I can't come because it doesn't apply to me. That's not true. This sermon is like every one of my other sermons. It's about Jesus. And it's a whole lot more about him than it ever is about marriage. And so if you're here and you're shifting already saying, what in the world is here for me? Everything is here for you because Jesus is here and you need to hear it. And you need to be reminded how incredibly loved you are if you are here and you're married or you're single or you're divorced or you're a widow or widower or you're a teenager, you need to be here. And lastly, and Katie helped me with this one, she says, you know, we really want to make sure that there's no asterisks in our marriages, that we want to end our lives together together with a world-class love affair without any asterisks. And oh, how I long for that in my own life. You see, this passage tells us about the roles of husbands and wives in marriage. But until we understand, listen, until we understand the role of marriage in God's bigger plan of redemption, we won't get it. We can't understand the roles of marriage, and which one is supposed to do this and who's supposed to do that, until we understand the bigger picture. Why did God create this? What's he trying to do through this? Tell me what this is all about. And so before we can even take marriage and slide it under the microscope and get that fine focus down as low as it can go so we can focus on the intricate details, we must first look at marriage in the big picture of God's design and it's unbelievable. Marriage is a part of the, you open up God's word and guess what happens in Genesis 1? There's a marriage. Flip to the back of God's word, and guess what they're having? A marriage feast. Marriage is a huge central theme in God's design, in God's creation, and God's story of his love for us in rescuing sinners like us. Here's my first point. If you want to follow along, it's not, it's not given to you. you got to write it in this week. I'm sorry. First thing is this. Marriage is designed to model God's love to us in Christ. What? Yes, it's true. Marriage is designed, first and foremost, more than procreation, more than recreation, more than fellowship with one another, more than companionship. Marriage primarily was given to us by God, designed to be a model for God's love to us in Christ. I bet when I was reading this, if you were following along and being a good Christian... Or if you go back and read this, you'll be confused. Because you'll want to answer this question. What is Paul talking about? Is he talking about marriage or is he talking about the church? Because he seems to sometimes talk about roles in marriage. And the next thing he's flipping around, he's talking about submitting to the church or or submitting to Christ as the church needs to do. What is he talking about? Is this about marriage or is this about the church? And the answer is a resounding yes. It's about both. And we really won't get it until we realize that marriage, this dance, is about something so much more than you and I are engaged in for those of us who are married with our spouses. Look at verse 32 again. It says this, this mystery, and he's, man, is it, marriage not a mystery. Is marriage not a mystery? This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and his church. Wow. Again, from the very first pages of the Bible, we are told about the importance of marriage in God's plan. And it says this about marriage. It says this. It says, marriage is a story. It's a story about a man who leaves his father and clings to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. And as the two become one flesh, powerful things are going to happen through this union. And one of the powerful things that happens through this union is that the wife becomes beautiful. I always thought it was kind of weird that it's the father who leaves, the husband who leaves the father. I thought it was kind of weird that, you know, what's up with this? Isn't it really that the woman leaves her home and we come and rescue her? And doesn't she really cling to us? listen. The story of marriage is the story of Jesus. Did you hear me? The story of marriage is the story of Jesus. Because who was the one who left the father? Who was the one who was willing to leave the father to seek out his bride? Who was the one that was willing to seek out this bride and purchase her at all costs, even the cost of his life, to make them one? To make them beautiful to make her beautiful, to wash her, to cleanse her, to cling to her, to never let her go. The story of Mary, is you ready for this? It's the story of Jesus. It's the story of the reality that he leaves the Father to come seek after his bride, and it's us. And we're ugly without him. And why in the world he would even look for us is a mystery. And yet he has this eternal love for us that began before time began. And really, the story about Marriage is a story about Jesus making us his wife and making us beautiful. Listen, it's a story of us being cleansed. It's a story of us being washed. Did you hear what he says about us? It's a story about a rescue of a bride that now, because of his love, is beautiful. Women, it says this, without a spot. Without a wrinkle, holy, beautiful, radiant. The story of marriage is a story of Jesus. A few of us were sitting in First Watch having breakfast about a week ago. And one of our members came in. And I've known this member for a long time, and and I've I've had the privilege of interacting with her for several years. I knew her as a single woman. I, I knew her now as a married woman. I know her now as a mom. And the three of us that were there, we've known her, and we've watched this, and we all just said, you know, there's just a beauty about her. She just radiates. There's something new that's happened. She's become more beautiful because of this marriage. Because of this union with this man. And really, that's the story of us. We can become beautiful because of what Jesus has done for us. That he would be willing to leave his father and cleave to us. That he would say in John 17, Father, I want them to be one like like you and I are one. Where he says to us in John 10, I'm going to cling so much to my bride. I'm going to cling so much to them that I'm not going to let one of them go away. I'm going to make her beautiful, holy, holy and blameless you see our love story is really his love story did you hear me you see our love story is really his love story and now there's a whole lot more urgency to tell it rightly you see our marriages are a whole lot more about God than they are about us for Christ and his kingdom it's not about us have you heard that here For Christ and his kingdom, it's not about us. It's true even in our marriage. God wants to use this thing called holy matrimony to be a picture of his love for a lost world. That's what he's choosing. That's the mystery. He's going to paint a picture through our marriages of how God the Father would love us enough to send Jesus to make us beautiful and clean and beautiful. And why is it important that our relationships are permanent? Why is it important that our relationships are pure? Why is it important that our relationships are sacrificial? Why is it important that our relationships are selfless? Because they reflect God's story. They tell of Christ in us the hope of glory and the only hope of beauty. You see, we will only get our roles in marriage and understand the importance of them when we understand that this reflects his love for us. Seen in his love to the church, his wife. Let me unpack that a little bit. Christ left the father and clings to the wife. So husbands, we must leave home and cling to our wives no matter what. Christ is the head of the church and husbands to reflect that. He says, I want you to be the head of your wives to tell this story. The bride, the wife, the church is to be submissive to Christ. You see, we're to be submissive to God's word. I say it every week. This is holy. It's inerrant. This is what we follow. Jesus Christ is the head of this church. To his authority alone should we bow. And really, as the bride is to submit to Christ, wives are to submit to their husbands to show this picture, to tell this story. You see, Christ, you've got to see this beauty, especially you wives, you women. Christ is equal with the Father. He is equal in power, equal in glory. Women, you are equal image bearers in Christ Jesus. Equally loved. There's no more Jew, Gentile, male, female. We are one in Christ. And yet the one who is equal with the Father willingly submitted. And wives are also to equally submit to their husbands to tell his story and his love. You see, we don't get it. We don't get marriages and we see it's God's design to tell his story through us. Secondly, it's this. Husbands, we are called to love our wives as Christ has loved the church. You see, what's most important in here, husbands, listen, what's most important is Jesus, not your love, it's his. What the the central theme of this story, which is the central theme of all the stories in God's word, the central theme of your marriage, the central theme of your marriage and my marriage has to be Jesus. So to husbands, my second point is this. We need to be loving our wives into the arms of another. We need to be loving our wives into the arms of another. Until we do, we don't get it. And who's that other? Amen. Watch this clip. I love Jack Nicholson. And he is just one of my favorites. This is as good as it gets. Watch this clip.
1: Melvin. Even though it may seem that way now, you don't know me all that well. I'm not the answer for you. Hey, I've got a great compliment for you.
0: You you know what? I I can be
1: around. Just let me... let me talk. Just... I might be the only person on the face of the earth that knows you're the greatest woman on earth. I might be the only <laughs> one who appreciates how amazing you are in every single thing that you do, and how you are with Spencer, Spence, and in every single thought that you have, and how you say what you mean, and how you almost always mean something that's all about being straight and good. I think most people miss that about you. And I watch them wondering how they can watch you bring their food and clear their tables and never get that they just met the greatest woman alive. And the fact that I get it makes me feel good about me.
0: (laughs) I love that scene. There's just something so profound in there. But did you see it? There's something so deeply selfish. I get it. I get it too. And I really believe that Katie is the greatest woman on the face of the earth. And I love loving her. And I love the fact that God has given her to me. And I love that I realize it. And I love what it makes me feel about me. But it's not about me. It's about her and her loving her Savior. It's about their relationship. And really, if I love her and I say, I get it, I get it, you're the greatest woman in the world. And I love what that love makes you feel about Jesus. You see, men, until we submit to Christ, now listen, this is so important, until we submit to Christ, until we understand that we are complete in him alone, until we realize that we are called to first and foremost love him, then we can love our wives in a way that is unselfish. Then we can love our wives in a way that we say, it's not about the way it makes us feel about us. That's, that's the bottom line. There's so much that we do in our love for their wives to make them want to respond to us. To make them want to love us. To make us the center of the universe. Husbands, love your wives as Christ has loved his church. Not loving our wives so that they will give you something back. They're not ATM machines. It's not punching in the right numbers so that they can give you what you're longing for. It's loving them so that they will know who they are, how beautiful and radiant they are in Jesus. It's loving them so they want to turn and run to their creator, their savior, and their friend his love is the only love that will ever make our wives truly beautiful and he is the only one who can truly make them whole okay singles are you sitting here and you're saying i just feel incomplete i'm not i don't have my soulmate i don't i'm not married there's something wrong i'm incomplete i feel broken i feel empty you know what we do too Don't think that we don't feel empty because we're married. Even those of us that are blessed with great marriages, we have been designed for something more. A man or a woman can't fill it. And if you believe the lie that something is incomplete in you because you are not married, it's it's wrong. It's a lie. It smells like smoke. It's from the pit of hell. You are complete in Christ Jesus. You're beautiful. You're radiant. He loves you. And no man is going to make you beautiful. Only Christ Jesus will do that. And and married folks are longing too. We want more. Fathers, listen, fathers, we better be pointing our daughters to Jesus and reminding them that they can only find their value in him because they're going to be looking for it and they need it. And it can't be even with us. We can't be their savior. We can't be their hero. It's got to be, I mean, the little small savior, the little small hero. But ultimately, it's got to be Jesus. You seen Forrest Gump? One of the most poignant scenes in that movie of Forrest Gump is when Jenny is on top of a hotel room balcony. Having just experienced love the way the world says this is love. And it's some broken, filthy, drug-addicted sinner's arms. it's not enough and she longs to be loved she longs to be beautiful and she can't find it and so she wants to throw herself down and say i can't get it and she turns even to this loving and pure one that we call gump and he too isn't ultimately enough to give jenny ultimate value only jesus can humanly speaking i've won the lottery You see, I married my college sweetheart, and we've been married 20 years. And we have four healthy kids, and I'm telling you the truth that she's my best friend. And we have a great love affair. But the reality is this, is that Katie is too wonderfully and beautifully made for me to ever love her enough. She longs for a love of another. And it's the love of her creator. It's the love of her savior. And I just can't stand in his place. You know, why are there so many affairs? And they say the women, they, they, they don't, they're not looking for the sex side of things. That's just shallow men like us. They're looking for a deeper love. You see, the bottom line is Jesus is what Katie needs. And here's the sin in my life. I want to be your Jesus. See, I want to be her Savior. I want to be the object of her worship. I want to love her because it it makes me feel about me. And I want her to commit spiritual adultery with me and let me be her God. And oh, how he showed me Jeff, I'm her God. I'm her Savior. You love her, you bring her in the arms of faith to me. You see, brothers and sisters, truly loving our wives is driving them into the arms of another, into the arms of Jesus. Sometimes God will really let you know he wants to read a book. Uh, This is called the Severe Mercy. I just read it. It looks like I almost ate it. Um, (laughs) Let me tell you about this book. Um, One of our members went to a used book sale, and he bought it. And he looked in there, and there's a newspaper article of the early 80s. And I don't know why this newspaper article was in there. It was a local article that said that my my, my wife Katie's family, uh, Sid and Sarah Ward, were moving back to Japan with their daughter Katie. Here's their address. And he thought it was so amazing that he pulled that out, told me the story, and he sent it to me. And uh, he addressed everything perfectly, and yet it came back, no such address. See, Satan didn't want me to read this book. And uh, I read it, and I, I really disagree strongly with a lot of its ecclesiology, its understanding of the church. And I, I really, some of the theology is really, really kind of strange. But it's an incredible love affair between Sheldon von Auken and his wife, Davy. And uh, they, came, they had this great love affair, and eventually they come to Christ. And as they come to Christ, what happens is Sheldon sees that Davy loves somebody more than him. They had put up this shining barrier around their love that nothing could penetrate. They were going to live their lives, and they were going to always appeal to love. And then Jesus got in the way. And all of a sudden, the woman he loved is loving another man. And he says, I long for a pagan love. I long to be her savior. And I know what he means, because you know what? I do sometimes, too. I want to be the object of worship in my home. I want to be the savior to my wife. But if I really love her, I'll say no to a pagan love and yes to a Christ-like love. Men, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Men, take your wives, speak truth in their lives, bring them Jesus the way you live your lives, the way you're holy. But listen, it's not about them loving you. It's about them loving him. And that is the most pure, beautiful love. And that's the only thing that will make him beautiful. That's our job, to bring him Jesus. And then there's this surprising joy of submission, and I have no more time. All the ladies are like, yes! (laughs) And only a word or two, and it's this. In a severe mercy, this woman, Davy, this... Intellectual Kind of hippie type. Everybody was equal. There was no submitting. There was all these crazy roles. Well, she, guess what happened to Davy? She fell in love with Jesus. And she found her greatest joy. And guess what doing? Loving and serving Jesus. And all of a sudden, she was loving and serving her husband in a godly role. She didn't even know it. And he didn't even like it. What are you doing? We're equals. Quit submitting to me. I don't mean it. I'm just in love with Jesus. And he's telling his story through us. And there's a joy that we can't, we got to realize that, women, you can never submit to your husband until you submit to Christ. And you can't submit to Christ, ultimately, unless you're submitting to your husband. Figure that paradox out. We'll talk later. The Bottom line is this. Ladies, ladies, listen, listen, ladies. Please take this nugget, please. Until you understand where your value comes from and who it comes from. You won't be able to be the wife God intends you to be. You're not going to find it in your husband, as godly as he may be. You're not going to find it in submitting to him. You can only find your value in Christ. You are loved. Yes, you are valued. Yes, you are equal. He wants to tell a story through you. Women, your identity was called into into question in the garden in the very beginning And ever since, you've been searching for it. And you can only find it in Christ. Listen, you can only find it in him. Submit to Christ. And submit your role and your marriage to him. And you'll be amazed that he wants to tell his story. His beautiful story through you. As he makes you beautiful. Let us pray. Father, forgive me. Forgive me for the way I've loved Katie in a way that you should. Forgive me for the fact that I want to be her savior. I want to be her God. I want to be her object of worship. And, Father, give me the courage to love her with a Christ-like love. And, God, I pray the same for my brothers and sisters. God, I pray for the women here that they'd submit to Christ, know their value in Jesus. I know you love us like we're the only one. You love us like we're the only one. We're such value to you. Thank you for this love that's turned us upside down. Tell your story through us. Tell your story through our marriages. Protect them, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.